Well, happy Aggie 100 week, y'all. This is the Super Bowl of entrepreneurship at Texas A&M because this Friday, we are going to be introduced to the 2023 Aggie 100 class. In celebration of this, Chris and I thought that it would be an amazing idea to have the last two Aggie 100 winners on. John Albers, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1992, is the founder and CEO of Albers Aerospace, and he won the Aggie 100 in 2021. Jeff Markham, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2012, is the founder and CEO of Lease Point, and he won it last year in 2022. Now, we've had both of these entrepreneurs on before, but we thought it would be great to celebrate Aggie 100 week by talking to these guys again. So pass it on back and listen up as they both share some really good bolts. Well, howdy, Ags. Welcome to probably one of the most special Aggie Growth Hacks episodes that, that we've had in our seven seasons. And it is so special because this, this is the holy grail of Aggie entrepreneurs this week. This is Aggie 100 week, y'all. And so if you're not familiar with Aggie 100, shame on you. But go ahead and just go to Aggie100.com, check it out. Uh, it is a celebration of Aggie entrepreneurs where we recognize the fastest growing, the 100 fastest growing Aggie owned or operated companies. So we've got an amazing episode today. But before we get into our guests, I want to kick it over to a friend of this dear friend of the show, Blake Petty, who has been our advocate, our sponsor, our supporter from day one, episode one. Uh, he is the executive director at the McFanner Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. Uh, so, Blake, what's this week going to be like? Thanks, Greg. Uh, Howdy, Ags. This week is uh, is already amazing, and I uh, just can't wait to get to to the uh, the big awards dinner uh, on Friday. Greg forgot to mention that I'm also an Aggie Growth Hack super fan. Love the the way that you guys have built not only a following but a really really powerful resource for a lot of our Aggie entrepreneurs. <laughs> As Greg said, uh, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship is proud to, uh, to be a sponsor of uh, the podcast, and we're proud of all of the programming that we offer to our current student entrepreneurs and especially to uh, all of our former students. Uh, probably one of our signature programs, if not the uh, most recognizable, is the Aggie 100 program. Greg mentioned it. It's a, uh, it's a celebration of Aggie entrepreneurship, celebrating the 100 fastest-growing Aggie-owned, Aggie-led companies uh, across the globe. And we've been doing this for 19 years. Can you believe that? This is our 19th. Uh, this year will be the 19th Aggie 100. It's been a quite a ride. We've seen, uh, we've seen well over a thousand companies honored uh, across those 18 years. We've seen an awful lot of really great Aggie businesses and, and, and just as importantly, recognize those Aggie leaders that are uh, changing the world. For all of us, excited about the class of 2023. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill any secrets. Uh, everyone who is on the list knows they're on the list, but they don't know where they ranked this year. So um, we'll bring everybody together on Friday. I, a couple of interesting facts about this 19th class: we've had the largest pool of applications, so this is mm -hmm. technically the most competitive. Aggie 100 list. So everybody who made it in 23, it's a very special recognition. It's also the year that as far back as we can track, um, this is the year with the most new honorees on the list. Almost awesome. half of our honorees are first time wow. Aggie 100 honorees. Wow. So it's going to be a lot of new faces and a lot of, uh, a lot of fresh folks in the, in the, in the room on Friday. So we're excited about that. It wouldn't be the Aggie 100 without recognizing, of course, it's an important accomplishment to get on the list at all. It's the accomplishment to land as number one, the, the top fastest growing 
Aggie owned company in that year. I'm just so honored to be in the presence of, uh, of our last two number one Aggie 100 honorees. Uh, Greg, I'll kick it back over to you and Chris to, uh, to reintroduce our, uh, our, our guest today. Yeah. So a- as Blake alluded to, uh, the Fighting Texas A class of 2022 Aggie 100 number one winner, Jeff Markham. Uh, with Least Point Funding Group. Thank you so much for joining us. And then the, the 2021 Aggie 100 fastest growing entrepreneur company, John John Alberts with Alberts Aerospace. Gentlemen, y'all have been on Aggie Growth Hacks before. Thank you for joining us again. Excited for y'all to be here. Thank you. Thanks Glad for having us, Greg. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's been a while since we've chatted. Um, there's been a lot of lot of changes that have come up. But uh, Jeff, let let's start with you. Just can you give us an update of kind of where you are? If memory serves me right, you uh, you entered the Aggie 100 at number one. So you you can't you can't do much better than that. First time go. And uh, so what's what's the last 12 months been like for you and Lease Point? It's it's been uh, quite the ride. And and starting with uh, never expecting to to get number one in in Aggie. 100 our first year that was uh, such an honor and uh, really eye-opening to see what the program can do it's been a busy year for our company too i think we're, we're trying to replicate the growth we had that that led to us getting number one last year and, and doing a little bit more of that this year uh in a, kind of an interesting uh economic environment so uh we are still growing we're still uh going up and up and uh, not without its challenges, but uh, grateful to be here and and want to continue to be part of the uh, entrepreneurship at Texas A and M. That's awesome, John. How, how about you? What's what's been going on? You're uh, you're again joining us uh, via remote and in, in Europe North. I think the last <laughs> yeah. time you were in, you were in Minnesota. Last time we talked. So what, what's yeah. been going on with your world? Yeah, I would echo Jeff's comments just about um, you know one certainly never expected to come in at number one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a a bad paraphrase, but from Warren Buffett. Um, and his letters, right? He would he writes letters every year to shareholders. There's some great things in the early, early years. And he would tell us, his shareholders, hey, man, I can't keep doing this growth. This is going to get hard. And when you come in at number one, you can't go anywhere but down. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you grew, you're still going down. It's just mathematically impossible. <laughs> So, you know, honored to, uh, to have come in, come in there and certainly a recognition of the hard work the team did. But I echo Jeff Sim. It's been a crazy year from an economic standpoint, probably even more so in, in his business. You know, banks tightening up. I mean, Greg, you were a banker, man. And, and it's, I can see it. You can really see it. Banks are tightening up. We were talking before we started recording about audits and, and everything, right? So as you're growing super fast, I think there is a part of the entrepreneurial story that is, hey, do I, do I want to build a business? And there's no right or wrong answer. This is the person's, you know, the yeah. entrepreneur's thing, right? Do I want to build a business that, that gets to a point and then cruises because it's a good lifestyle business and I'm, I'm happy with it and I can make the impact there? Or am I trying to build something bigger? And if you're trying to build something bigger, I think the current environment can be even more difficult because while it creates opportunity in a tightening environment, higher interest rates, costs are going up everywhere. It does create, it creates opportunity, but it also creates real challenges, right? But it's, Dude, I, I love it. What better thing to get up for in the morning and uh, and go to work? So it's been a great ride. But, you know, again, the other thing, too, I would say this year, we had some headwinds. And when you have, as a team, you're doing nothing but going like this, climbing, climbing, climbing. And then you hit a headwind, which means you're, you're still climbing, but you're not climbing near as fast as you were before. But it's like, oh, my gosh. It's a lot you're harder. Like, yeah. You're like, hey, dude, it's okay. <laughs> Rocket ship growth isn't, uh, it's got its own challenges, right? Even then, popping in, I mean, when you have that growth, it's got its own set of challenges. And, uh, but that, and that's what makes it fun. If it's, if it's easy, like, what's the point, right? That's what I learned at AM. 
<laughs> Fish Albers was getting wore out. Like, hey, man, if it was easy, you know, wouldn't be worth doing. So anyway. well, let, let's dig let's dig into that, John. So it's, you, there's obviously a lot of things about entrepreneurship that, that are challenging. But what what's maybe the top one or two, three things that you and your team are, are wrestling with right now? And, you know, without saying any secret sauce, yeah. you know, how, yeah, yeah. How, how are the things that you're over? How are you overcoming it? I mean, we, we talked about audit, right? So maturing our maturing our financial processes in the last year. You know, when you start out, you are mom and pop. I was the janitor, the CFO, the CEO. I was everything. And then the team starts to grow and you have to let go of things. <laughs> the, the real finance guy comes in, well, what is that chart of accounts? What is that thing? You know, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. Those and the damn counters. For, <laughs> accounting for dummies said it looks pretty good, you know? <laughs> so that, that maturation, super painful, right? Super painful, but good. It's a good pain. It's like going to the gym. It's a good pain, man. It's It's got to happen. And it is a great, I'm sure Jeff feels the same way. Jeff said he just finished out too. It's a great sense of relief and accomplishment when you get that report and it's a good one. You don't have a, no marks on you. And so I, I'd say that that is a challenge. We are still trying to grow banking relationships as we grow. You know better than anybody, excuse me, Greg, uh, banks have limits, right? They'll only let a certain client get so big and then you got to syndicate or do this, right? So I've been, I've been having to learn all that. What does that mean? I had an accordion. What does that mean uh, on my credit? You know, and it doesn't mean what you think it means. That's for, that's what I did find out. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I got this deal. I want to pull the trigger on. Let's open up that accordion, man. Like, right? He's like, yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Son of a, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I uh, thought that meant I had more money. I thought that I meant put, I had access I to more. money in that bag. He's like, oh, you do, but we have to do these 150 freaking things. And by the way, the environment's changed in the last six months. So it's going to take a while. Like, <laughs> and I like to go fast, man. And so I've got, you know, I've got deals. Because like I said, there's opportunity. And again, I'll give the mic back over to Jeff to talk about his growth. Part of our strategy besides growing organically is through M&A and just our thesis around the industry that we're in and what's happening in America. So again, there's going to be great opportunity. There's pressures on sellers because they everybody thinks their baby's beautiful. And then we are trying to... Uh, trying to get a, a pref preferred, like a family office or somebody to come in as like a preferred equity investor right now. And so that's been the story of my uh, last six months is doing that dance. I feel like a daggum beauty queen and I'm not that good looking. So Jeff said they're smiling like, oh, okay, yeah. so let, let's talk to the PE back firm. You know, what, yeah. what's this year? Well, not PE back. This is uh, me and, and bootstrapping it just like you, John, but I'm, I'm going, I'm smiling because I, I'm going through the same exact thing. <laughs> The audit, fundraising, uh, it's its tighter right now, right? Capital markets yeah. are, are oh. tightening. And, and um, what a good thing, though, to have the audit done uh, is that can you can go into that search for additional capital with a lot more confidence. And so that's, yeah. Amen. that's you know, a sigh of relief that, that we're, we've gone through it. And now... Um, now the fun part is is going and securing additional funds. And, and that's tough for us as business owners, but it, I'm a lender. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. tough right now for consumers and other small businesses that are just trying to get a hundred thousand dollars for you know a device that they need in their company um, and so we're dealing with it a, a tightening of the the credit window uh, and a rising interest rate environment that uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough on everybody and so it's it's a good thing you know you protect your credit score personally you, you work on your your credit for the company and you, you do the audits that's been a big challenge for us too and we we manage balance sheet and so we have to be pretty keenly aware of uh, credit risk and defaults right. which mm -hmm. which has increased a lot in the last year or so and, and we do keep our thumb on the pulse of where the fed is is targeting um rates and uh, we we have to do certain things to kind of hedge that we also have had to kind of pivot 
a little bit in the way we go to market, right? Because uh, I think most consumers or small business owners are also consumers. And they're used to the last couple of years, they're a little bit jaded from the low interest rate environment. It's, hey, I got my car at the credit union at 1%. I finance my house at 3 or 4%. And now rates are 8, 9, 10. Uh, I don't don't know if I want to buy anything right now. And it's it's slowed things down a little bit. And so we've had to put together some specialty programs, subsidized programs. I mean, you you see, you know, uh, car dealerships are now going back to offering 0% that they're subsidizing that to, to make it a little bit more palatable uh, and, and stir up some business. But so Jeff, you're in such a unique space though, that you can actually have an honest conversation with that entrepreneur. It's like, yeah, okay, yes, if this is not the right time to invest, I get that. But then where you're still going to be in business three or four years from now, right? So where are you going to be three or four years if you have the same dump truck or dental x-ray machine or whatever that you've had to pour all this money into repairs? And so I'm not, I'm not putting a gun to your head saying you've got to buy it, but you need to think about it. You need to think strategically long-term and you and your team to think that way and to coach that way is very impactful. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you get to see a lot of resistance to the interest rates, but it's it's growth capital. It's it's to grow your business. It's to expand. Uh, and the same thing, you know, if, if John and I go get a, a senior credit line and the rate is 5% higher than it was uh, two or three years ago, I, we're still going to do it because we're going to use those funds to, to go grow our companies um, and, and do it strategically, right? Growth for the mm-hmm. sake of growth is... Chaos, but uh, we, it's it's good to have uh, the wherewithal to be opportunistic when the right M and A opportunity comes up, or or when we see an ability to to go into a tight credit market and start lending more. Okay, so I've I've, I've got to stop things real quick here, right? We didn't really talk about your businesses, right? We and 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 yes, we have had you on Aggie Growth Hacks before, but we didn't really talk about what you guys do. What what exactly? Jeff, does your business do? Sure. So I, my company is Lease Point, and we're in equipment leasing and finance, and we we mostly do small tickets. So that's um, equipment up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And most of our clients are also entrepreneurs, they're small to medium business owners who are looking to acquire a new device, a new machine, something to to help grow and expand their business. Um, and so we are a direct lender, but we're also a, a broker and we syndicate. We work with probably 20 different banks across the country. And we basically, we help connect clients to, uh, to the funding they need to grow. And that makes more sense as you're talking now about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all of these, <laughs> these banking type things, right? How about you, John? What, what, what is... Um, uh, Albers Aerospace, do you? Yeah, so we're, well, we're an aerospace company, right? Uh, I had to change the name so people quit asking me, what do you guys do? At least they can figure <laughs> that part out. But, you know, it, what is interesting is Jeff, where Jeff is in, in, in the business market and then where we are, right? We're basically, the scale's a little bit different, but like, hey, I, I interface with guys like him, right? At the, at the big banks and we don't do equipment leasing, but, you know, just again, that whole credit piece, right? So anyway, we're um, aerospace and defense firm. Uh, so we do engineering, manufacturing, and, and then some innovative technologies all around the defense space because of my background as a test pilot and a Marine for 24 years. So I was a customer once and I'm trying to build the company I wanted to work with when I was a customer. A part of our thesis is, is that, hey, America's in a unique inflection point from an industrial-based perspective. Globalization is probably already over. Nobody realizes it yet. We're regionalizing again. And that's creating a bunch of um, a bunch of really interesting dynamics. I tell you, there's a book called "The End of the World Is Just the Beginning." I recommend it to the listeners uh, and to everybody on here. It'll, it's a very interesting. It's a geopolitical book, and it 
deals with demographics and everything else. And it's really, really fascinating because it covers history plus a go forward look, a lot of which is just based on just straight up demographics is data. As a test pilot, I love data because I certainly go by feel, right? Like when I'm flying an airplane, I've got, mm-hmm. I can feel things happening when I do certain things with the throttle or whatever, but you got to look at the data because the data is real and the data doesn't lie unless the system providing you is, is gone bad. So providing you that, that data, right? So, so Jeff's got as a syndicator, he's got his own moving money and kind of creating a market for a guy like me that's going, Oof, uh, okay, yeah, that's, it costs five points more. Well, that also is squeezing the bottom line. Right, that five percent is coming from somewhere, and my customers, the U.S. government, I can't just like, hey, I'm flipping my price next week. <laughs> it doesn't change, <laughs> like it doesn't work like that. So, so that creates another interesting dynamic. And I think as a business leader, one of the things I'm sure Jeff would attest to the same: you have to be constantly learning. If you're not learning, you're not getting better, and you're probably going to get dusted. Because the dirty little secret is, it doesn't matter what we did last year, it doesn't matter what we did yesterday. You know, Jeff and I get to high five. I told Blake, you know, we've been fortunate to be two times on the list, and we were top ten guys when Jeff won. We were we were number five, and Blake shook my hand, and I leaned over to him, and I was like, it doesn't make it doesn't mean crap if you ain't number one. You know, that was my <laughs> joke to him. You know, and he smiled and laughed and. I might have said a different word when I said it. But, <laughs> Some guys um, are never, never happy, never complacent, right. right? Never, never. Like, hey, what's the point, man? Number two is just first loser, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, first, you're last. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but that's the fun of like the competition and, and going. But then, you, I mean, again, you come back to learning as a leader and how did the game change? You go look at history, man. There's nobody around here doing business. I'm 55. There's nobody doing business that's been in this kind of interest rate environment for a sustained period. We had little blips, but for a sustained period yeah. in probably 40 years. So, you know, I was a teenager then, right? And so that means that those guys that were good at it and really dealing with it for a sustained time are late 70s, early 80s, if they're, if they're still here. And so trying to figure that out, how does, what does that look like? What does that mean? And, and I would say our, some of the things that we were thinking about doing at the beginning of the year, knowing rates were going to climb has changed in the last six months because it has to. You still have costs. I mean, those, those costs go up. So what I was willing to pay before for something, I'm, I'm not going to pay that amount because my cost of capital is higher. And so it creates, again, it creates opportunity, but it also creates headwinds and challenges, right? So, well, John, I, I love how you talked about always learning and, and you alluded to it earlier in our conversation. So what, what is one or two things that each one of you learned specifically at AM that has shaped you, not, not only as entrepreneurs, but leaders of fast growing companies, the things that we can root back to saying, okay, I, I learned this as a fish doing pushups and catching butterflies and all those other God awful sadistic exercises that the piss heads made me do. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff can go first. Let Jeff go first. What do you sure. sure. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think I, I would point to as much as I value the, you know, the finance classes I took. I don't think that it, uh, how to value a company may be the critical thing I learned. Uh, it, it really, and this may sound cheesy, but it's it's kind of the the character, the ethos of what Texas A and M is. The Aggie does not lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. And and really, you know, coming in. To school as a pretty wild high schooler, a 17, 18 year old, and and getting four years in College Station put a little bit of gravity in, into who I was and who I wanted to be. You know, that's that's affected a lot of what I want my company to be, what I want our culture to be. 
and the things that really matter, you know, profit's great and growing is great, but, uh, you know, your name is really all you have. And, uh, I think the character and, te- and integrity that I left Texas A&M with was, uh, was pretty integral to, to my business. Wow. That's good stuff, man. I like that answer. I was thinking as Jeff was talking, right? So I think generically you could say, well, as, as entrepreneurs, we have to grind. You just have to grind, mm-hmm. man. You're going to, I mean, you talked about it at uh, Greg at the beginning, right? You were, you were the banker before. Now you're doing the, you signed up for 18 hour days, grinding it out, man, to try to make it go. Cause it doesn't, but it's my 18 hours. It's your 18 hours, right? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's an investment. It's not, and it's not an easy, it's just not easy. And everybody thinks, oh, social media, look, it's so it's super fun. And like Greg rockets to the top. Like, no, Greg grinded for six freaking years behind the scenes. Yeah. And for 12 before that learning to start the six, right? And so I think AM to, to Jeff's point about character, I think, of, I mean, again, this is going to sound cheesy. Think about like E. King Gill, the guy who was willing to suit up and stand there in a stance. And this tradition we have of students standing symbolize their willingness to support the 12th man right, or the football team or the basketball team, whatever. That principle right there says, hey, we're not, we're going to be available. We're going to be ready to go no matter what, right? So that's a great, I think, because to just point, the classes just teach how to learn. They don't really, there's elements of them that, you know, threads or whatever that you can do, but take with you. But the real learning happens after you leave, uh, right, Jeff? I mean, I would say it happens after you leave. Never quit, you know, when your fish getting crapped out, you got a choice. I mean, you don't quit or not. Tell them my boys, I'll, I'll get a little just a tiny bit political here. I read an interesting um, editorial uh, by Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal last weekend, but it was about standards and the relaxing of standards that's going on in certain places around here in the country. And I, I shot that article to my boys and I said, hey man, we don't relax standards in this family. We just don't. And I think that's another thing that came out of A&M is we have standards, we have traditions that we don't, we don't back off of. We're, we're proud of those. We're going to hold to them. Not all traditions are great and not all need to stay, but I think if you want to, if you want to make a difference, you got to have standards, man. You got to, and those kinds of things came out of AM and you, and you just can't quit. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up and, and keep trucking. And I think that's another thing that I learned. And then the value of relationships too, I think. I think that's the other thing is it's so easy to just think of business as transactional and business is still about relationships, man. You can have great numbers. You can have all kinds of stuff. But if people don't believe in you and who you are as a person, back to Jeff's point about character, they don't believe in you. I don't care how good your numbers are. He's not going to lease to some guy he thinks he might have great numbers, but the dude's a jackball. He's not, he's not yeah. leasing to him. He needs to make sure he's going to get his money back plus, right? And so character and network matter too. And you got to treat every one of those relationships that you're in like it's gold. Because it really is. You'd said earlier, right, as an entrepreneur that you've got to constantly learn. And I 100% believe in that because, you know, one of my core values of my company is thirst for knowledge, right? So we're, as a marketer, I mean, marketing moves so dang fast that, I mean, we have to stay on top of things if we want to be in business, honestly. What exactly are y'all doing to learn now and to stay on top of your game as a CEO, as the person and, you know, the visionary in your company? How are, how are you staying on top of things and how are you learning and what are, what avenues are those? I'd like Jeff to go first because he's a leasing guy in the banking space. I want to know what he's learning because <laughs> I need to get in, I need to get in that head, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest, the equipment leasing and banking industry doesn't move very quickly in terms of learning and new technology, but we're trying to, to be a little bit different in that, right? It's a younger group and almost weekly i'm hearing about a new app or a new tool or a new you know microsoft ai and chat gpt and how can we integrate that into our company and into our process because if we don't i mean you're either moving forward or you're moving back it's not cheap to uh to stay at the forefront of the tech and the development and you can certainly break things 
but we we try to do that we try to you know two steps forward one step back and and learning not just the market not just interest rate environment and politics but but the tech side of things is where we stay focused and and we learn from our mistakes as well right uh, we go back and we look at uh you know loans and leases we shouldn't have done or partnerships we shouldn't have got into and uh that those often teach the uh, the best lessons right learn from your mistakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being an aggie and a marine i have to go slow and think about the math but I'm like a 31-year-old businessman in a 55-year-old man's body, right? Because I spent 24 years in the Marine Corps. They don't teach you how to make money there. They teach you how to spend it and be a warrior and do all that. So in one sense, I'm a young guy from a business perspective. So I'm, I, I want to constantly, I want to learn about credit markets. How do bankers think? What do they value? What's important? Fixed coverage ratios, you know, debt to EBITDA. Now you're starting to give me other... PTSD of going back yeah, in <laughs> All those things, right? There's there's those things. There's, hey, capital allocation. How can I, how can I learn? better about how to allocate our capital, right? We have to, Jeff mentioned, like, we make mistakes, we make mistakes. There's things that don't go the way we thought they were. We're, We know something's going to get delayed, but we want to retain the talent because we want to be ready. And so there's a cost there and people are expensive. Most expensive thing probably that we got, right? Most valuable too. And then that thing doesn't doesn't happen the way you thought it would. And it gets drug out and drug out and drug out. And you, now you're slow cooking like crap. I, you know, I've been carrying this this army for six months, man. What have I, you know, was that the right decision? Well, crud, I don't know. You can't go back and replay. Good uh, Aggie buddy of mine learned when we were young and he beat this into me early on in the business was, hey, man, we are where we are. Like, you got to learn back and try to learn, but don't lament. Like, oh, God, did that happen? Like, hey, dust off and go. Try not to repeat that same mistake again. I mentioned Buffett's letters. I'm constantly reading. I'm just trying to learn how other business guys think. What are they, what are they thinking about? Jeff mentioned AI. I think every, every one of us is a business guy. No matter your industry, we should be trying to learn about AI. And I'm probably the slowest guy learning about it, but I'm thinking about it. how does it impact my space? How can I, can I use it in some way? You know, the core thing behind it is data, right? That's, it's got to have data to, to be smart and process. So anyway, I think those are all interesting things and they're fun, right? They're fun too. So let me ask, uh, are, are y'all in any like peer groups like Heritage or EO or anything like that? I am. No, not. I should, should be. <laughs> I do have a CEO mentor. I hired a CEO mentor from a company called Building Champions. I'll put in a plug for those guys. Great group. I got a one-on-one mentor. That guy's been really good. Um, that's been a good investment. Spent 24 years in the core, so lots to learn. I think that's another characteristic, right? If you really want to be successful, you got to have a little bit of bra- bravado and belief in yourself. Like, I'm freaking, I'm good. I, got, I can do it. And you also be humble and realize, man, there's a whole lot I, I can't do. I got to learn. I got to figure this out. And if you can't have that combination, you probably won't be as successful as your things could be. I agree. Um, it, and you yeah. surround yourself with people who are who are smarter than smarter. you and, and better than you. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, amen. Uh, I'm not in any peer groups, but I've been blessed to have a, a, a group of men in my, in my life with in my family and, and some that are not related that have acted as mentors to me, both in business and out. And I think that, that learning from people have been there and done it before uh, is, is one of the best ways uh, to get ahead because you, d- you don't know what you don't know. Um, that's what I've found. And, and I, I do know when I see somebody smarter or, or more seasoned than me that, hey, I, tell me. Tell me what I sh- should be doing here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been a great way to learn. Hey, if I can, let me tug on that thread because uh, right now I'm surrounded by people smarter than me and I'm, I'm, I'm needing to learn. So I'm going to ask you guys to, to think about how you would respond to this question um, regarding today's current student. 
especially our student entrepreneurs. You talked about a thirst for knowledge, and I would have to admit the, the, some of these students are, are are so incredibly intelligent already, and they're still thirsty for that knowledge, and they are willing to learn. They are willing to 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 be taught some of the principles that we're trying to help them to understand, especially in entrepreneurship. But but as you know, good human beings, great Aggies. One of the things that I think today's student uh, lacks severely is exactly what both Jeff and John mentioned, this willingness and understanding of failure and the ability to learn from that failure, the failing forward into mm-hmm. a, a lesson and an improvement of the process or, or, or whatever step they're going through. In fact, there's a fear of that failure. And maybe this goes back to the you know educational system. You have to pass. You have to, you know, all A's or nothing. If you were in my shoes, what would you do to help some of these students who are currently willing to learn, ready to, to you know, soak it up and, and give me anything that, that will help me, but they need to understand that they're going to fail, they're going to fall down. Here's how you get back up. And here's why that's so important as a uh, both a student and an entrepreneur and an Aggie. There's a philosophy behind what you're talking about. And I don't mean like some printed philosophy that some smart guy 100 years ago wrote about. We as a culture have taught our young people, you have to be successful. You have to have high marks. You have to have high scores. Hey man, I was a 2-9 guy at Texas a and And you know what? I only got a 920 on the SAT. I didn't even qualify to be a flipping officer. I had to get an ACT conversion. Now, did I care that hard and work that hard? No. I was a top 10% of my class in high school. And so I just had to take the thing, breathe, and I got into a state school, right? And I knew I wanted to go to A&M. The point is don't let scores and, and other markers define you. That's the first thing I tell young people. But I think you have to show them over and over. You guys, besides giving them some tools and principles, you got to talk to them about the principles. Like, can you really go peel back the onion? Anybody who's doing amazing things, there's occasional unicorn. They've all gotten their rear end kicked. They have. Go read the book on geeks and geezers. Right, written by Warren Bennis, great leadership guy. He's a professor at USC. Written in the early 2000s. Geeks, geeks means young guys. Okay, not nerds like we tend to have twisted the word now. And it was 30 somethings in the early 2000s, which I fell into that group. Right, and then they were talking to old guys, the geezers, and the geezers talked about crucibles and how crucibles in their life affected their ability to lead and succeed because they took the crucible and made it something positive. They didn't let it become a negative definition of themselves. Instead, they found the thing. It's, you know, ironing sharp and iron, the forging of the person. But people, we don't inherently know that that can be good unless somebody's reminding us over and over, hey, man, it's okay. You know, Maxwell wrote a book, Fail Forward. You got to go learn and study these people. Stop believing the hype. That, hey, if you're not crushing it every day, you suck and you're, you're a loser. Like, no, man, that's not true. It's just not true. And and then just keep reminding you, I'm sure Jeff's the same way, man. There's times I go to bed and I'm like, dad, you know, this is a bad day. There's nothing went our way. We got, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, that was a bad month. I mean, nothing went our way. But we also have a thing in our, our family. My, You know, I've mentioned before, my boys, are, the reason I'm up here is hockey. And so we also billet some kids always. We have for since 2019, we've built it. Other players that are going to the academy, our son or sons are going to, over time, develop this little routine at night when they're at dinner, it's highs and lows. And I want to know the high and the low for the day. And the rule is you don't have to have a low, but you have to have a high. No matter how bad the day was, let's go find the thing that was good and cling to that, right? Because if you just focus on how your day sucked, you know what? You're probably going to wake up a loser tomorrow. So let's go to bed figuring out, hey, this went well for me today. And it might be the smallest dadgum thing ever, but you got to find the victory and then press on. So that's a good mindset. Blake, that is a, a challenge you, you, you've got there. Um, and I'm not sure I, I've got a great solution for that, except I, nobody wins afraid of losing. Um, mm. you, you can't mm. make decisions 
out of fear. And I, you know, I've, I've, we've had a pretty good run and we, we do take calculated risk. That's what we do as a lender. But I know if, if this all went under and went down tomorrow, next year I'd rebuild it and I'd bounce back and I'd do it better. And I'd learn from what, what went wrong. And, and that's what gives me some confidence to go out and, and do what we do. You know, I was a baseball player, right? Good baseball players, bat 300. I mean, 70% of the time you're failing. So I, I think it's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to lose sometimes. And it's, it's not the end of the world. There's a lot of safety nets out there to, to catch you mm. too. And even if uh, the ground is hard, most people bounce back. It's okay <laughs> to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Love that. I knew I was opening a can. I appreciate it. I, I just, I, I got to learn from you as well. So I appreciate that. I love the, um, as a hockey guy, I do love the baseball analogy, right? That's a great point. 70% of the time, and they're like, oh, that guy's an amazing baseball player. He fails 70% of the time. Nobody talks about that. They focus on the win part, right? And instead of, you know, guys that are a lot younger than me, like like Jeff, when you raise your kids, you, you got to swing back. There was a problem in my generation and, and a little bit back, they get helicopter parenting and all this soft crap, which comes with wealth, you know, a country that's wealthy, right? You just get soft, man. It's just, it happens. And so we, I think that's the other thing is we have to go, we have to get back to this, like, let's just be freaking hard because those up and comers, just like, I mean, countries, just like people, like somebody's always coming after you. There's another leasing company that's coming that wants Jeff's business. There's another aerospace company that wants my business. So somebody's always coming. And if you're not getting better, man, you get worse. You know? Well, let, let's kind of take that and, and pivot a little bit, because I think that everyone on this, this conversation would agree that one of the critical ways that we get better is our people surrounding mm-hmm. yourselves with good people, knowledgeable people, people that, that have that passion and share your vision and are going to, you're going to be able to lead through walls. But we've heard time and again on Aggie Growth Hacks, how difficult it is to find those key people. What are you, how, how are you guys in your companies as you're growing, you're having to hire people that maybe their position didn't even exist six months ago. And so how are you attracting, finding and, and bringing those people into your circle of trust to catch your vision. Yeah, we, we are, I mean, actively hiring. We hire a lot of Aggies. The focus really is on culture and character and trust. Because I'll take a, a low to medium performer if it's somebody we trust. Again, part of the reason we hire Aggies, it, it's the reliability factor. It's, uh, you know, my wife was a CPA, part of the PPA program. It's why they recruit so heavily out of the big four in accounting firms is there's trust and accountability and reliability in what we do. And so I, we look for that mostly. Somebody who I, who I know will be loyal and... and uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, people, it's all about people. They're the most expensive asset, but they're also the most valuable, right? And including oneself, leading oneself well, but like you talked about vision, you got to have a good vision. And, and that's another thing is constantly refining your vision, right? I think you asked me what are the, one of the things we've been learning is how to tell our story because how I tell the story to a banker and how I tell the story to a teammate what we call employees at, at Albers is different. It's a little bit different, right? There's part of it I got to tell the banker the same thing because I want to get them a little bit motivated, but how I motivate somebody that's going to be on the team and, and grinding is a little different than the, the banker I'm trying to get to, to give me more. Uh, open up the pocketbook. Yeah, open up that pocketbook, man. And so I think constantly working on our vision and then to, we do the same thing as Jeff, man. We've, we've had great success recruiting from A&M. We're a little bit biased. The joke is if you're an Aggie, a Marine, or a C-130 guy, you're guaranteed to get hired. So we do like Aggies. We think uh, we also we also believe in some 
Texas Tech people and, and others, you know, we're, uh, I can't say that other school in Austin, but uh, I've let one of them intern once. He did okay. How did that work out? Uh, it, he did okay <laughs> because he was surrounded by Aggies who made him better <laughs> and uh, constantly looking for, for talent. And for us, we want to recruit young talent. We want to recruit those young folks and, and, and then equip them and teach them to not just from a technical perspective, but also a mentality. And then I'd say for me too, just like from a corporate, what's called a corporate leadership thing, upgrading the talent around me, uh, for lack of a better term, because as a company grows, the team that since I started and I'm the one guy until I'm proven worthless, it could happen fast, I suppose, but I got to try to outrun that. The team, the, and it's, it's written about, hey, the team that gets you to five million is not the team that gets you to 50 or the team that gets you to 250 because it's a different skill set. Doesn't mean the people are bad, it's a different skill set. So I think, too, is constantly just got goals and, and where he wants to take his business. And it's the same principle that the skills that are needed for a $300 million a year company or a $100 million a year company aren't the same as a 10. Some of the principles are the same, but the skills are radically different. And it's so, not just one more zero. No. I, I once had a zero. client tell me the only difference between a $7 million company is $70 million, one zero. It's like, ah, uh, I think it's a little more than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if I tried to tell a guy like Jeff that, you know, like you said, you were probably the banker then, right? You're like, mm, yeah. yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so the skills, right? And, and so as a leader actively looking forward, do I have the right team around me? Are we growing as a team or all of us getting better? Not just me or all of us getting better. And if somebody's not, again, maybe it's lifestyle, maybe it's uh, life circumstances, right? I tell people all the time, like, hey, I've got a plan for the next five years, but I don't know what God's going to do in my life. I, I don't know. I may wake up tomorrow and things are completely different. I'm going to keep trucking every day. Like my, my plan is my plan until I figure something else out, but that's the Lord's will and that's the Lord's will. And, and, and we have to be willing to pivot. And that means pivot around our skill sets and what's needed and, and the environment that's happening around us and all those things. So, but you can't give up looking for good people. You got to be on, on mark all the time. I personally believe that you just got to be out looking and recruiting. I would say Jeff probably feels the same way. I have to constantly recruit. I have to constantly sell the vision and the product and the, you know, so you're selling to a bunch of different people and my parents were divorced when I was young, but my, my, my real dad, he was like, oh, you'd be a great salesman. I was like, I don't know who wants to be a salesman, man. Like salesmen suck. It's greasy. It's, it's not greasy. It's, it's, yeah, it's right. greasy, man. It's greasy. I'm like, nah, I want to be a Marine till I die. You know? <laughs> Dude, I love selling. Every, and the truth is, every one of us on this call is selling every day. If you're not selling, you're losing. You're selling to your, yeah. your spouse, your kids. You're selling. You're selling all the time. But there that's what I love about people. entrepreneurship. For someone that that has come out of 17 years of corporate, and you know, my my knock on a lot of the bankers is they're just salespeople in suits. A lot of them are more than that, but a lot of them are salespeople in suits. And I hated to, I hated that mindset, but I love it as an entrepreneur because you know what? I'm selling and I'm selling it for me. It's like, yeah. it's immediate gratification now. So, yeah, right. yeah. All right. You guys talked about, you know, learning and, and we've talked about people and all that kind of stuff. But me as a marketer, I want to know what are you as the visionary doing for marketing? Right, because you've got a marketing pro department, probably, or at least somebody that's in charge of that, or you've outsourced it. Whatever that you guys are doing on that, right? What are you personally doing as the visionary, as the CEO, to help your company on marketing? You, you talk, you know, John, about uh, sales, right? That you're always doing sales, but how about marketing? How are you getting your brand out there and and making sure that you are doing the things that you need to do to help your marketing department out? We don't have much of a marketing presence or, or spend. And Chris, maybe we need to be talking, right? Uh, 
It's been a lot of uh, referral business, a lot of word of mouth, and and then we have a, a direct sales force, and so we cold call a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, outside of the basic presence of a uh, you know website and and SEO and some social media, we haven't done a lot of marketing. It's just it hasn't been a direct to uh, consumer or direct to, to borrower type approach for us. Uh, we partner at the vendor level. And so it's just for whatever reason, it, it hasn't been a big part of our process. And maybe that's a, a missed opportunity for us. Early on, I thought in my de- in the defense business, I was like, marketing stupid, man, because it's all just proposals. And you know the government's so worried about being fair that they aren't fair. And actually, they're worried about getting screwed. And they get screwed a lot because their processes and trying to over, you know, over control that. So I was like, I'm marketing stupid, stupid, stupid. And then finally, one of my guys who's an Aggie actually just kind of beat me up about it. I was like, hey, you know what? I tell you what, you go ahead and do that. Sort of to placate him, if I'm honest. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I had to eat, you know, I break out the crow, go cook it up because I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat the whole bowl. I'm going to eat the whole bowl, boys. Because I was wrong. Because brand does matter. I'm not sophisticated enough that I've got a, like a dedicated marketing department. We have people that it's a part of their slice of their job, if you will. Um, and I'm still in it. But like, because it's about controlling the message, right? How do we message to people who we are, what we're about? Because that's changing too, right? And if we're not out learning those things, because nobody cares about what we do. They only care about what they need. And if I'm not meeting what they need, then I'm irrelevant. So I have to be a student of of my customer and what's important to them. So speaking of marketing, right, you guys, you know, we, and we, we've talked a little bit about this, right? You've talked about reputation. You've talked about, you know, some of the other things. What, how do you protect your reputation, right? How do you, mm. how do you like dig into that? And then how do you, how does someone that's listening to this right now get to a point to where they have a great reputation in their industry, right? Just like you guys have. How, how did you get there? How, how are you there now? Obviously reputation. I mean, in the way, if you're if you're the business owner, the way you carry yourself and the way the way you interact with others, lead by example. That shows people directly, hey, this this is our reputation because here's who I am. Uh, but then your employees, your team, as an extension of that, and the way they conduct themselves and the way they interact with all our our vendors, our borrowers, our partners, that kind of thing. It's it's important that they kind of share the vision and that you know promote the the reputation that we want. How that relate or could relate better to marketing is, I mean, we we do a, a little bit of customer sentiment tracking. We look for reviews on Google and Trustpilot and that sort of thing and, and kind of having that third party validation of, hey, these guys are good to work with or uh, mm-hmm. you should work with Lease Point, that sort of thing. And I think that that can certainly be helpful when there's no other way to, to check for reputation. I would say it's all the things that, that Jeff and I have talked about before. You got to you gotta work hard. You got to deliver. Like I, we sacri- Sometimes we sacrifice the bottom line for doing the right thing, right? You, you sacrifice like, hey, we're going we're gonna to break even. Sometimes we're going to lose a little bit of money on this because we're going to do the right thing. Because if all you, are is, all you are is about the bottom line, you're probably not going to last long. Um, you have to be focused on the bottom line. But if that's the only focus... It won't matter because people aren't in the bottom line. They're in all the stuff above it, right? <laughs> My caution to younger folks would be don't be in such a rush to buy the hype around the spend in in social media splashes. Be smart about it. I talk to my son. loves to talk, man. He loves to talk and talk trash, right? Dude, stop talking. Just freaking show up and get it done. Just let your actions, they speak louder than words, man. You can 
run your gums all the time. But Jeff said, if you're not setting the example, man, you're, people are going to be like, yeah, he talks like this and he does this. Like, those two don't match. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not interested, which is part of the marketing thing, right? When you're talking about your wins, it develops, you know, because nobody advertises, hey, we lost that. We lost that. But so you're talking about wins, which builds momentum, which is a great thing about the Aggie 100. I mean, that's, let's talk about it from a marketing perspective. That's a great thing, man. I'm sure for Jeff too, gives you great and an amazing network in the state of Texas. I mean, it's amazing everywhere, but it's really good at the Aggie Network is in the state of Texas. Yeah. I mean, what incredible marketing capital by the program that Blake's put together. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This this has been like master level class. Thank you guys for, for sharing your time and, and sharing your wisdom. I'd like to leave today's discussion with a bit of advice from each one of you. So, so what would each one of you say to that entrepreneur that is maybe on the Aggie 100 list. Maybe they're not on the Aggie 100 list. I mean, because that that list is all about growth. So mm-hmm. what what is one bit of advice that you would tell them that will help transform them and their team from where they are to the mountaintop, to where you've been, to the number one fastest growing Aggie owner operating company in that year? You remember who you are. Um, you know, the, the growth... Good. Growth is not the most important thing. Mm. It's it's great validation. The Aggie 100 is is a great a, a competition validation of, of what you've done, and uh, we couldn't be more grateful to win it. But that's that's not who you are. If you focus on that and and define what your company is and your your integrity and your culture, uh, that is what matters most. Even if you're not growing, you're winning. Yeah, that's awesome. We could almost hit stop on the record because that's a that's really a seriously a good answer. Not just trying to be a funny guy. That is a great answer because it's it's not about growth for the sake of growth. Jeff said it earlier. It's like whatever. And sometimes I think some people like look at us and they're like, oh, you're just growing to grow. Like, no, I know where I'm trying to go. Again, it doesn't mean I'm right, but I got a I got a spin stupid to try to get to for a reason. Um, and it's not just to make money. I think self awareness as a leader is probably one of the more important things. The Building Champions guys are harp a lot on self-leadership, like lead yourself well. If you're leading yourself well, you can lead others well. I've only yelled at people one time in, in the history of in the nine years that this company's been around. And the one time I did it was the day after my dad died. I shouldn't have been at work, right? And my fuse was short. It just wasn't a good place, right? I started yelling at the guy because I didn't like what he was saying. And I thought to myself, man, I should not be here. Well, you know, having that other conversation in my head, right? <laughs> in the middle of yelling. Middle of stop, yelling. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I was like, hey, I must stop. I need to go for a walk. I'll come back. I came back, asked for forgiveness. Said, hey, man, I shouldn't be here. Thank God I had people in my life that taught me about self-awareness and, you know, at A&M and like Marine Corps and all these things. And those are the kinds of tools that as a leader, like you can be a smart finance guy and understand this and technical things about your business. But if you're not self-aware as a leader... And like Jeff said, if your if your identity is in like, hey, I'm number one on the thing, if that's your identity, you're you're screwed. You're, it's not gonna it's not gonna last. All this stuff, all you have is who you are as a person, and that is probably the most important capital I think you can have as a business owner. Grind because you believe in yourself and the people around you and the impact you can make, not because it means you're somebody. Because you're only as you know. I mean, my faith's an important part of who I am, and so that's where a lot of the a lot of that comes from, to be honest. But you got to go out work with the credits. It's not about you. And so, but that for me personally, because of my upbringing and the things I've learned, that's what fires me up. I love it that it's not about me. It takes pressure off and I can put a lot of pressure on myself. So, you know, take, take good care of yourself. I think that's what I, I tell those young, young Aggies. And, and like Jeff said, don't do like whatever your number is. I joked around like, hey, it doesn't matter if you're the first loser. Like, okay, yeah, it's all yuck, yuck. And, and true, but man, if that's how you're thinking when you go to bed is I suck because I wasn't number one, like, dude, be easy on yourself. Life's hard. Nothing goes the way we think it'll go. Nothing.
Well, Jeff and John, thank you so much for coming on again yeah. uh, to yeah. Aggie Growth Hacks. Uh, I know that everyone uh, really appreciates you coming and sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for really. having us. Enjoyed it. And I, yeah. I learned a lot. John, you and I need to talk more. <laughs> yeah, we should, man. I agree. There's, um, I, I feel the same way. These things are they're good. Good for learning, right? Because it also makes you think about the things you're, hey, do I believe that? What I just said? Do I really believe it? <laughs> do I really believe it? Am I doing it? So it's great. Yeah, right. we, I would say I appreciate what you guys have done for the Aggie community, right? What probably started out as a fun thing has turned into something just like the program. It's a great experience for, for Aggies and a way to learn adapting to the market. So thanks for doing that. Thank you all so much. Appreciate yeah. y'all. All Let's right, celebrate. Guys. Right. Have a good thanks, day, guys. Have a good one. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that some really good bull or what? I know that I took a lot away from uh, that interview with Jeff and John. What were your biggest takeaways there, Greg? Well, I, I'm I'm just so, I mean, I am like on an entrepreneur high right now. That was amazing. I love that conversation. Love the passion that both of those guys bring to their their companies, to their industry, to their teams, and and really to be able to say, okay, how can we continue to be better? It, but at the same time, fully acknowledging that the environment that we're in right now as entrepreneurs is more difficult than it's been in years. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that, that I heard throughout the entire conversation was the desire and the need to learn, to constantly be growing, to, to, to expand your knowledge base and to be able to realize that you, you should not be the smartest person in the room. You should hire people, surround yourself with people that know their area and that can give you the best advice. And I think that for both of those guys, I mean, obviously these guys are winners and yeah. they have the, the right mentality. And to get to the top of the mountain of the Aggie 100 winners, fastest growing Aggie owned company in a year, but to be able to say it takes the team and I've got to learn from them and I can't ever rest on my laurels. I got to keep learning. What about you, Chris? I know we talked, uh, there's so much that they dropped. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a whole page full of notes here, but I, I, I got to say my, my biggest takeaways really are, you know, kind of going dovetailing right into what you said there, learn how to fail. Right. Is, is that even, oh, even if you're number one really today, yeah. yeah, I mean, when, when, even if you're number one today, that doesn't mean that, you know, five years ago, three years ago, whatever that was, you were, you were on that trajectory. Right. So really learning from our mistakes and, and can, and really learning that it's okay to fail us as entrepreneurs. We want to win all the time. We want to win, want to win, want to win. But, you know, Jeff brought up that, you know, as a baseball player, you know, a really good batting average is that you're failing 70% of the time. Right. I mean, don't think about that. No, if you listen to any kind of sales guru out there, they they tell you, you know, you're gonna, you're going to fail at least, you know, seventy five percent of of the time, you know, and that's a good, you know, sales closing rate kind of a thing. So it's it kind of pigeonholes right into that. Is is that mm-hmm. us as entrepreneurs, our trajectory isn't always a straight path. It's not a straight path up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not always a hockey stick up either, right? Sometimes it looks exactly like our Aggie growth hacks. I'm sitting here looking at our logo right behind you. <laughs> it looks exactly like that. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. But as long as we are doing what we want to do with our with our companies and on the upward path, right? Mm-hmm. As a trend line, I think that's that's a great thing. You know, and it, and it's a great mindset to have as an entrepreneur. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Tax. We hope to see you this Friday at the Aggie 100 celebration. If you're not there this year, then let's go ahead and just mark it on the calendar. We'll see you 
in 2024. But Ags, if you're not connected with Jeff, you're not connected with, with John on any of the social medias, connect with them. I know they're very active on LinkedIn. I know that if you go back to their previous episodes, I think they gave out the, their email address or connect with Chris and I, and we'd be happy to connect you with both of these guys. These are, these are Aggies that, that have figured it out what it takes to lead a fast-growing company, and they want to pour into you other Aggie entrepreneurs. So go ahead and check them out. Connect with Aggie, Aggie Growth Hacks when you're on the web. Give this episode a thumbs up and share it on on uh, whatever podcast you're listening to so that we can get this message out to more folks. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head on over to their website now to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthacks.com forward slash McFerrin. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig them. Whoop.